you would, turn with me to John chapter 8. So we continue working our way through John's gospel. This account of the life of Jesus according to John. Last week we saw Jesus make this really astonishing claim. He said, I am the light of the world. Uh, Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so Jesus is saying, I am the light that brings you out of your darkness. I am... I am the only one who can save you. You are in darkness, and I am the light, and you must follow me out of the darkness. You must follow me out of the cave into the sun. You must follow me out of death into life. That's a pretty radical, bold claim, and so it's not a shock that uh, the religious leaders, the the church leaders of Jesus' day, take some issue with that, and they try to challenge Jesus' authority. And we saw how he responded to that. Last week. And now he turns the tables and begins to challenge them. They wanted to challenge his understanding, his standing. Now he turns and he challenges their standing and their understanding. And actually says in verse 30 that as he was saying these things, that many believed in him. And so it's there that he begins as he kind of turns to the crowd and speaks to everyone, but also directly to those who are beginning to believe. And he says this in verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. And the slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you're the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why don't you understand what I say? It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, 
He speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Let's pray. Our Lord, our King, our Father, there is much richness here to mine. So, Lord, we pray that you would bless uh, the reading and the hearing and now the preaching of your word, uh, that the riches that are, that are in it would be brought out and would be brought before our eyes. And, Lord, I pray, we pray, that we would not be like these deaf men who, though they claim to hear, cannot hear, and though they claim to see, cannot see. Oh, Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear, and give us hearts that understand. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. The truth will set you free. That is a uh, that's a common motto. Uh, you've probably heard it before, and you may have even realized that it came from the Bible. Uh, but you're going to find it all over the world, and most often you're going to find it in universities. Lots of universities take this as their motto. The truth will set you Free, and they'll put it on the archways as you enter into the universities, not just in the U.S., but also overseas. Uh, you'll hear it in video games. You'll leave it here in professional wrestling, which is a little ironic because professional wrestling's not real. I know, I know. I just, uh, I just ruined it for you. What do you find out about Santa? Um, so um, there... You will even find it etched into the wall of CIA headquarters, right? In fact, they give give it the whole whole thing, right? Uh, They do it in the King James. Uh, Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And they even say it comes from John 8, 32. Uh, And they say, right, they they put that on the wall, as ironic as that may seem, uh, they, they put that on the wall, this quote on the wall, because it furthers the mission of uh, intelligence gathering in a free society. That is not what Jesus is talking about. So however the CIA wants to use it, however the university, modern university wants to use it, that is not what Jesus is talking about. We're not talking about uh, some generic concept of truth. That Jesus is not engaging in a philosophical discussion. What he's challenging them on is their understanding of who he is and what he's saying. And really, um, this whole conversation from 31 all the way down to 59 is really of one piece. But there's so much in it that, um, that we're just going to take it bit by bit. Um, and what we're going to see today, really we're just going to look at these first six verses, first five verses, 31 to 36. And what we're going to see is that true freedom is found in Jesus Christ alone. True freedom is found in Jesus Christ alone. So let's look at Jesus' first statement. See how abiding in the truth sets you free. Jesus looks at these, uh, these Jews, these people who had been listening to him, and it says, just said that they had believed, many had believed in him. 
And so what he's doing is he's calling them from an introductory, exploratory faith, like, oh, yeah, I kind of like what Jesus is saying. Yeah, I think I'm going to believe in him. Jesus is saying, are you sure? So he's calling them from this introductory, I think I may want to believe in Jesus, to what faith really is, right? And what he says is, if you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples, If you want to be my disciples, you must abide in my word. Abide, remain, stay in, dwell in, persevere. If you want to be a true disciple of Jesus, you must continue in my word. You have to listen to me and you have to keep listening to me. Saving faith is persevering faith. Faith that does not give up. And as he says this, we're going to see that they in fact give up. They can't go with him all the way. Jesus is saying, if you, want, if you want to be a disciple, you must stick with me. You must go all the way. It's one thing to make a good start. It's another thing altogether to finish the race. I remember my first 5K. Um, again, my, my background, I'm I'm I was the chubby kid in middle school who hated the mile run. And so when I finally did run... More than 10 feet, um, it was, I was in my 30s? No, it was in my late 20s. Uh, and um, I was running a 5K race, first race I'd ever run. And, you know, if you've ever been, if you've ever been in a road race or watched a road race, you all kind of start in this big group. And then as the group crosses the line, it, it kind of thins out. The faster runners, of course, move to the front. The slower runners, walkers, kind of, gravitate towards the back. You can guess where I ended up. Um, and, I, and I was running with some friends of mine who were in much better shape than me. That was my first mistake. Uh, and I was excited and I felt good. So as soon as the starting pistol fired, I was probably about three-fourths of the way back in the mob. And as soon as that starting gun fired, I started weaving my way towards the front through the crowd. And I was feeling pretty good about my chances in the race. Uh, and it was only a three-mile race, so it probably wasn't even halfway before all those people that I had passed are now passing me. Right? First my friends, of course, then my friend's wife, who had given birth like the day before. Um, then people pushing strollers passed me. Then probably an elderly lady on a walker passed me. Um, it's one thing to begin... Uh, but it's another thing altogether to persevere to the end. And Jesus is saying that uh, you, don't, you don't get a medal for starting the race. Uh, true faith is that which perseveres to the end, that uh, those who abide in my word, they are truly my disciples. And so let me just say this, that we want to, we want to be in the business of encouraging one another to finish the race. We, as a church, we, want, we need to be in the business of, of encouraging others to abide in the Word. We want to be about abiding in Jesus here. And so if you're sitting in the pew this morning and you're like, gosh, I feel lost, I feel like I don't have anybody to help, let's talk. Uh, let's talk and let's see how we, can, how we can get into one another's lives. If you are older in the faith, 
uh, and you're sitting on your hands wondering, gosh, what will I do with the years that God has given me, especially now that I have free time, let me encourage you that there are lots of younger people, brothers and sisters, who need your encouragement and wisdom. They need to be taught how to abide in Jesus' word. So if you have been running the race, if you're a good jogger, step back and pick up, I use the word jog, sorry, runner. Um, Step back in the race and help your brothers and sisters along. Uh, And Jesus says, when you do that, when you abide in my word, you'll be my disciples because you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. So you really can't take that phrase and cut it off from the, the rest of what Jesus says. Again, Jesus isn't having a, he's not sitting by the side of a fire with pipe in his hand talking about, hmm, what is the nature of truth and how do we know what it is and what does it do, right? Jesus isn't doing that. What Jesus is doing is saying, I am the truth, John 14, 6. I am the way. I am the life. If you listen to my word, if you live in my word, if you continue in my word, you will find truth. You will understand me more and more, and you will be set free. You will come to know what freedom is. So it is true Because the the word truth factors in huge in this whole conversation, right? Jesus is continually putting putting himself forward as the truth and as the revealer of the truth against the Pharisees who do not know the truth. They are blind to the truth. And so it is true that all truth is God's truth. So what you can learn at a university apart from any Christian professor, there will be truth there. Right? Uh, when the CIA does its intelligence gathering mission, it is gathering things that are true. But that, that's, those are just true facts. What Jesus is saying is, no, I am a life-saving truth. That you can know all of that truth, you can know true things, but if you don't know the truth, if you don't abide in my truth, You will be a slave forever. You will be lost. The truth that will set you free is the truth that is found in Christ alone. Free. What is freedom? What do we need to be set free from? That's what Jesus' opponents now bring up. And for them, it's a very nationalistic thing. They say, hey, we're Abraham's offspring. We've never been enslaved to anybody. Just ignore the Roman soldier standing right behind me. Right? Um, Truth of the matter is, uh, the Romans are in control of Jerusalem and Israel right now. Before them, it was the Greeks. Before them, it was the Persians. Before them, it was the Babylonians. There was a brief period where they were on their own. But then, before that, they were harassed by their neighbors, the Philistine, and before that, they were slaves in Egypt. So, they can't be talking about political freedom. In one sense, they've never been free. So, what they're doing, what they're saying is, well, God talked to Abraham, and they had this special relationship, and so, we are free from any control other than God. We are Abraham's offspring, and so because we're Abraham's offspring, we have a special relationship too. 
We're free like Abraham was free. And Jesus says, no, no, you're not. Jesus says, everyone who sins, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Another way to put it, everyone who goes on sinning, everyone who makes a continual practice of sinning is a slave to sin. I'm not talking about your political freedom here. I'm not talking about your heritage here. I'm talking about your heart problem. Slavery doesn't have anything to do with who runs your country. True slavery is a matter of who rules your heart. So are you continually serving the master that keeps you in bondage? True slavery is a matter of who rules your heart. How do I know who rules my heart? How do I know what rules my heart? Well, what are you in the practice of doing? Who are you continually serving? Are you controlled by your anger so that you repeatedly hurt the people you supposedly love? Do you, does your pride keep you from listening to other people and keep you from having real friendships? You're a slave to sin. Do you find yourself in front of the computer screen alone, unable to not click? You're a slave to sin. Do you like the attention he gives you, even though he's not your husband? You're a slave to sin. Do you love the way self-pity makes you feel? Do you enjoy the falls and trials of others so that when you talk about it, it's like a delicious morsel being served up that that makes your own heart warm with glee at at the misfortune and sins of others? You're a slave to sin. See, freedom is not primarily a political issue. Freedom is a moral and spiritual issue. You can be a citizen of the United States the freest country in the world, and still be a slave to sin. Likewise, you could be a citizen of North Korea under arguably the most oppressive dictator in the world with very little to no rights of your own and yet still be unimaginably free. Freedom and slavery are not political issues. They are spiritual and moral issues. Issues And many solutions to that issue, that issue of slavery, have been advanced over the years, especially since the Enlightenment. Education will free you. In fact, that's why so many universities take Jesus' phrase and isolate it and put it on their buildings. Because if you're educated in the truth, the truth will set you free, right? Work. If you work, you'll be free. Nobody's ever been dominated by their work, have they? Money, wealth, you'll be free. World peace, if everyone would just be at peace, if we would stop being so angry with each other, we'll be free. And yet the wealthiest, smartest, most powerful, and well-liked people in the world can still be slaves. Because freedom and slavery are a, are a spiritual issue. It's a matter of who I'm in bondage to. As long as I'm a slave to sin, all of those other solutions, 
will only help me to serve myself and rebel against God. And that's really what the definition of sin is, right? Or a definition of sin is rebellion against God, saying God is a liar and I'm going to do it my way, right? And so here's the good news. There is one who can free us from our slavery. Verse 35, Jesus has just said, uh, Truly I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. And the bitter truth is that the slave does not remain in the house forever. Slaves can be sold and bought. They can be traded. They don't stay where they are. They're traded between masters. They have no rights. They have no prerogatives. They don't get to say, I want to abide. But the son does. The son gets to stay because it's the son's house. The son is a permanent fixture, whereas the slave is not. And not only does the son hold a permanent place in the house, but this son is a liberator. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You will be truly, really free Um, So not only does the son hold a permanent place in the house, but he's also been given the mission of setting the slaves free, of liberating slaves. And those whom he sets free are really free. So what do we mean by freedom then? What is is freedom? If it's not freedom to serve ourselves, what is it? D.A. Carson, a, a scholar and theologian, says this, True freedom is not the liberty to do anything we please, but the liberty to do as we ought. True freedom is not the liberty to do anything we please, but the liberty to do as we ought. And it is genuine liberty because doing what we ought now pleases us. So let's unpack that. Here's what that means. Here's how the Son sets you free, sets us free. First, the Son pays your debt. The Son sets captives free by paying the debt that stands against him, against them, right? Um, you have a record of sin, your, your rap sheet, your criminal record, and it stands against you. And what Jesus does is he takes it. And he doesn't tear it up. He doesn't put it in the shredder and say, oh, no more. He nails it to himself. He pays the debt out of his own bank account. And here's what happens when he does that. When Jesus pays your debt out of his bank account, he actually gives you his wealth. He gives you his record. He gives you his clean rap sheet. And so you are set free from the condemnation, from the guilt, from the consequences of your sin. You are set free. And some of you really need to hear that message. Because even though you say you believe it, you don't really act like it. You don't really live that way. Because here's how I I know. Because if you're like me, and you have kind of an Eeyore personality, right? You know who Eeyore is from Winnie the Pooh. Woe is me, right? 
You assume that as soon as something negative comes your way, a bad set of circumstances, your default thought is, God hates me. God is angry at me. I must have done something wrong. Friend, if you are set free, if the Son has paid your debt, then God is not but God does not hate you. You, in fact, are loved because you are in the Son. Now, it could be that you are reaping some consequences, that maybe there is unrepentant sin in your life. But the way to deal with that is not to, say, is not to pick up the scourge and whip your back and say, I deserve it, I'm terrible. It's to go back to the Son who loves you and has paid your debt and repent and say, Lord, I hate my sin. Would you give me the power to overcome it? Because you love me. Because you've paid my debt. You're, you're, the, the answer to that is not to say, oh, looks like I'm in debt again. Lord, how can I, how can I pay you back? Right? What, what, can I, what can I do to alleviate my debt? No, the debt has already been alleviated. Everything on top of that is, is just pure service to the king. Um, so, the first way that the son sets us free is that he pays our debt. He alleviates the condemnation. We no longer live under a sentence of wrath. God's wrath has been satisfied in Jesus. Live like it. And here's the second part. Here's how the son sets you free. The second way the son sets us free and this is what Carson is referring to when he says that what we ought to do, now we want to do. And this is what the Bible talks about in Jeremiah 31, 33 and 34, and Philippians 2, 12 and 13, that we are now given a new will, that we are now given new desires. And so not only are we set free from the guilt of sin, but now we are freed from the power of sin. Sin no longer reigns in us. That's what Paul was saying in Romans 6 that Steve read earlier. Paul's argument is, stop going back to the old master. He's not your master anymore. And if you keep going back there, what you're really proving is that Jesus is not your master, but that sin is your master. But that rea- that's not your reality anymore. Live as if you belong to a different master You have new desires, new want to. So where before you used your desires to please yourself and rebel against God, now you are free to deny yourself and please God. And that's that's what Jesus did, right? Repeatedly in these dialogues, Jesus keeps saying, I haven't come on my own authority. I haven't come for my own glory. I come because he sent me. I come to do his will. There comes a point when the Son sets you free that you can say, I'm not here for myself. I'm here to bring glory to God. That you actually, instead of trying to rake in all the glory you can, you deflect and you give glory to the one who saved you. If you want an embodiment of the first position, just think Frank Sinatra, right? I did it my way. The gist of the song, I've done lots of things, I've seen lots of things, And here I am at the end, and I can say with great gusto, I did it my way. Bravo. You know what Jesus said? I do it his way. 
I didn't come for myself. And so, when you come to the end of your life, which tune will you sing? Will it be the Jesus tune or will it be the Sinatra tune? The sun sets me free by opening my eyes to my bondage and then giving me the will to pursue God's will for my life. The sun pays our debt and then he gives us a new heart and a new will. And that's how the son liberates the slave and brings him into the family. The Jews were unprepared to admit their slavery. Right? What they're, what they're really saying to Jesus when they say, no, we're Abraham's offspring. What do you mean that we have to be set free? What they're really saying is we are morally superior people. We have the right bloodline. And as Jesus goes on to say, it has nothing to do with your bloodline. In fact, the way that you act reveals that your bloodline doesn't matter to you at all. Your heritage is not what will save you. Your religion is not what will save you. The Jews really believe that no one could master them. What about you? Do you feel morally superior Their danger is not common only to them. Moral superiority, self-justification, those things will keep you from hearing the truth about Jesus. As long as you believe that you are morally superior to anybody else, you will be unable to hear the truth of Jesus. And as long as you are unable to hear the truth about Jesus, you will not be set free. You will remain and you will continue as a slave. The... um, I almost titled the sermon, went through a couple of, of, uh, of different titles. Um, but the only thing I could think of as I read through this whole thing, that where Jesus is confronting their parentage is, who's your daddy? Right? Um, because that's really the question. That's really the question that Jesus is forcing. That sounds scandalous. That sounds confrontational, and it absolutely is. Jesus is saying, you reveal who you are, by, work, by the works that you do. And we're going to look more at that next week. Um, when thousands of New York Yankees fans chanted at Pedro Martinez, I know everybody's a Major League Baseball fan, so you remember this, but um, Pedro Martinez is a pitcher, and he said, right, he always had a hard time. He was a really, really good pitcher, but he had a hard time with the Yankee batters. And so when he would come to the stadium, when he came to the stadium, all these New York Yankee fans chanted, Who's your daddy? They even, unfold, they even unfurled a banner that said that. What were they saying? They were saying, we own you. You belong to us. Who owns you? Will, will you let God own you? Can you admit that you are deeply flawed and enslaved to sin? Because until you can you will not be able to believe in Jesus in a way that really matters. The only way to come to Jesus and to persevere in the race is to understand that you are sinful and deeply flawed and you need Him. That you need His Word, you need to abide in it, and it needs to abide in you, and you need His grace in order to cross the finish line. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Thank you for this word. Thank you for the words of Jesus. Pray, Lord God, that you would uh, work them into our hearts. 
that we would see Jesus, that we would know of our need, that we would understand that we are, that apart from Christ we are slaves, slaves to sin, bound up in ourselves, aliens and strangers to promises, not a part of the household, and that what Jesus has come to do as the rightful son is give us a place in the house. And so, Lord, would you, if we don't believe in Christ, the true Son, would you bring us to freedom? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.